Hello, this is Dennis Thomas from Things That Matter, where we speak about everything from faith to finance and all things in between. So I wanted to go over this article that my mother-in-law sent. It was titled, 14 Documents New Parents Need to Protect Their Baby. And I'm not going to go over all 14 documents, but I just wanted to touch on a few more important areas here that will help anyone that falls into this category adding any new child to their family. I think that is one of the more important times to look at your finances and to see where you're at. I think for me, having our son back in 2012, right now we have a six-month-old, we have a three-year-old, and our son is five years old. But when we had him in 2012, I started to get a little bit more aware of my finances. I wanted to get a little bit more financially literate and I started reading articles about that topic. I started to, I was listening to Susie Orman at that point, probably even a little bit before that. Part of the reason why she intrigued me is because she reminded me of my mother. My mother, when we were young, always spoke about finances and oh no man and having 30000 in the bank before you leave the house not using credit cards. She harped on it every day, all day. And when we left the house, my sister and brother and I, we knew exactly what her intentions were, was to make sure that we were financially literate. But sometimes you don't take all that information in and heed the advice. And you have to learn things on your own, which is kind of what happened to me. But that's fine. I mean, some of the thoughts that she would portray to us were things that I would hear from Susie Orman. So it was interesting to hear someone else speak about these topics and speak about it in a way that reminded me of my mother. But I think that uh, listening to people like Susie Orman, Dave Ramsey, I mean, he's another person that I listen to his podcast. These people will help you to be financially literate. To me, they are considered professionals in their field. They have a lot of information and advice to give. And what I'm trying to do myself is really try to get out of this middle class mindset. I mean, Dave Ramsey always speaks about this. Middle class people think about how can they take a loan when they're purchasing something. Wealthy people think how can they pay for it in cash. So a lot of the reason why some people stay middle class is because of their mindset. And what I want to do is try to fill my brain up with these ideas and thoughts that are going to allow me to reach these levels that I know I can reach. And part of it is by reading information like this and making sure that I'm checking some things off the list and that I'm fully prepared to put my best foot forward. Even if I didn't reach that level that I want to reach or achieve, at least I'm doing everything that I can to try to reach that. And I think that's really what matters more than anything. It's not so much the results that we're going to get, but it's the attitude and effort that we put in. And that really builds that stable confidence. And we spoke about this on the last episode about trying to be the best version of yourself. So uh, one of the items here that they speak about, the first thing uh, I noted down here was a will. And ironically, I just did a will today. So I called up one of my best friends. His brother is an attorney. And sometimes it's good to know people, right? Because he's like, I'll do it for free, Dennis. And I'm like, wow. Of course, I gave him a little bit of a tip, but that's uh, pretty easy, right? I just contact him and he sets this up for me. But 
most of the time, right? It just takes one step. It's having this desire to do something and then you just do it, right? So it's a, having a plan, committing to the plan and actually following through with it. So one of the statistics I just read recently though, 55% of people don't have a will at all. And when you think about a will, we went to his office to complete this will. I had to send him some information about the kid's social security numbers, date of birth, send him information about my wife and just who they want to have as the executor, executrix of the will upon my passing or upon Lauren's passing. So we're trying to prepare information so that if something did happen to both of us at the same time or one of us, instead of it's going to probate or court and time and a lot of money potentially being spent, you have all the information set up so that everyone knows exactly where the funds are going to go. And this is interesting when you're creating this will because it's really going down this path too where you're having to have some of these morbid thoughts about what happens if you did die or what happens if you both die at the same time. But the great thing is that you're getting this peace of mind because you are creating what the next steps would look like. So you would put somebody there and your attorney will speak to you about these things, but you put someone there that will take over the will if you pass away. So I designate someone. If Lauren passes away, she designates somebody. So these people are going to play the role of making sure that the funds that you guys have designated for the children go to its rightful owner and you don't have to go through court or probate or paying fees to get these things done. Another thing that he added in there was guardianship documents. And really what this is, is who would you want to have be the guardian of your children upon both parents passing away? So obviously if one spouse passed away, then the other spouse will naturally get full control of the children. But what happens if both spouses pass away, maybe at the same time? Who's going to be guardian of the children? So you are able to designate who you want to have in play for that. And that's one of those things too. Obviously, if, if both parents pass away, they're not going to be present or there to, to witness what could happen afterwards. But you could just imagine if this conversation never happened and these events do occur, is there confusion, especially if you have my parents are alive, my spouse's parents are alive, and we never speak about who would have guardianship over the kids if any of us pass away. So this allows you to designate some of these items here. You could also have letters uh, or letter of instruction where you're able to give specific information. Let's say you had a child that had some type of medical disability and you wanted to put in their special instructions for the child or for whoever watches the child, you could do that as well. Ours is more of a basic will that we just did today and it really just placed our children as beneficiaries over the estate and we placed guardianship documents or letters of instruction for who would take over the the responsibility of the children upon our passing and who the executor and executrix would be if one of us were to pass away. The next thing I have here, beneficiary change form. When we just had our baby six months ago, I marked off a few items, uh, went through some of my 401k, IRA, just to make sure that we had the beneficiaries on there correctly. 
The important thing with this is that even if you do have a will set up, the will is not going to supersede the beneficiaries that you have set up on your 401k or IRA. So they're not involved or included. So you still want to designate who you would want to place as a beneficiary. If you were going to put your children on there and you have a spouse, your children will be your contingent beneficiaries and they would you would note how much the percentage that you would want to give to each child. But that is also another thing to look at. Um, on that note too, I, I try to document also how much money I have in my 401k. I think that this is good for visualization to try to grow that number. You're trying to reach a certain number. Also, another good thing to do as well, Dave Ramsey has a calculation. You're able to put in there some information about yourself, how much income you make now, what kind of lifestyle you want to lead when you retire. And it gives you an exact number that you should have in your retirement funds. And it shows you also how much you would need to take out per month out of your paycheck to reach that number. So these are things that I do highly recommend. Again, this is a matter of having a plan and sticking to it, not just uh, really just having this idea in your head and not knowing exactly what that number should be. The more specific we are with plans, the better chance we have of achieving those plans. Because when we're not getting specific, then we really don't know whether or not we achieved that goal we were looking for. But if we make it specific, we can plan to try to either uh, achieve that goal or surpass that goal or really know where we stand in reaching that level that we're trying to reach. And I think when you do create these goals like that and you have a number in mind, it becomes this really great success factor when you do achieve that level. So the next item we have here is a life insurance policy. So I never thought about getting a life insurance policy. Obviously, you're young. You don't think about what the future can bring as far as passing away or not being here. But when I had my son Noah, my father brought it up. And when I researched it, he was correct. You need life insurance, especially when you have children. You have a family now. You have a spouse. If anything was to happen to you and your spouse is left there with the children, we need to be prepared for these types of moments because these things can happen. And the recommendation here is 10 to 12 times your income. Getting it at a young age, at the time I was 32, you're relatively healthy, you're young, the chances of anything happening where one would pass away is low, you get a, a good price. I did 25 year term life insurance, I paid $44 per month. Uh, my spouse does not work, but they do recommend getting anywhere from two hundred dollars to $400,000 worth of life insurance. If your spouse doesn't work, she pays $13 a month. So relatively inexpensive, but definitely will come in handy if a situation occurs where I pass away. Now my spouse has enough funds to pay off the mortgage, pay for the kids' college when they reach that point, and put money away in an investment that could earn funds and she could pull money out there and really just not have to worry about the financial part of this terrible situation if it was to occur. And I think for us getting term life insurance is going to be one of the better options to go because again, what you're trying to do here as opposed to getting whole life insurance is you're really just trying to cover you for the time now where it would be 
riskier for something to happen to me. Let's just say the kids are, we're 30 years from now and the kids are out of college. They might be out of the house at that point. The mortgage is paid off. I'm doing well with retirement funds because I put money away. I paid off my debts. I have my three to six month worth of savings. At that, at that point, you're almost really self-insuring yourself and the risk factors aren't there because most of the heavy work or heavy lifting was done, you passed that point already because this would be the point where as parents, when your kids are young, you are doing a lot of heavy lifting and school and everything else you have to pay for in the mortgage and maybe you're trying to pay off debts and you have a lot of things going on. But at that point, 30 years from now, my goal is to not have a mortgage. My goal is to have three to six months worth of savings. My goal is to be fully prepared, if not ready to retire and have all the funds that I've been working on having. And I think if you follow that plan to pay off your debts, all of your debts besides your mortgage, budget, live a lifestyle that you could pay for things either in cash or if you were to place it on a credit card that you pay the balance off every month, work on your three to six month worth of savings, place as much, not as much money, but a good amount of money into your 401k. I don't think that you really need the life insurance policy at that point. The next item we have here is a 529 account. I set this up for my son when we were just starting off when Noah was born. People give you money. We put it in that account. Right now, I have it in an investment account that is, again, just an aggressive portfolio that's really fit for Noah's age and his time horizon. So 529 accounts where you're able to put money in there, they grow as an investment and you're able to take them out without paying any taxes on them if they're used for college or school expenses. So definitely recommended to me. It's similar to getting having a 401k for work because you're talking about time horizons that are 20 years before you'll be using those funds or so, or I shouldn't say 20, but maybe uh, 17 years when the kids go off to school. Now you're able to have funds set aside that are going to be used for the purposes of school. I do have a, a recommendation though. Right now I don't contribute to his 529, or any of the kids 529. If I get a gift, I'll, I'll put it in there. I'm trying to pay off my debts. So I don't think that it's best to try to do 10 things at once when you should just do one thing really well as opposed to four things half, you know what. The next item is the healthcare spending account. So they have different plans here, uh, flex plan, child care reimbursement or child care credit. Uh, so the at my job, we have this healthcare flexible spending account that I'm able to take advantage. Really, I think one could use this even if you didn't have children necessarily, but I use this account because they take the money out pre-tax out of my paycheck. So you could designate an amount that you want your company to take out. So let's say I have them take out $50. They take the money out pre-tax and if you go to the doctor and you have to spend $25 on a copay, they give you that money back in an account that you designate. So you could set it up in any account. I have it go into 
this savings account that is separate from my regular savings account that I have at the bank. And the money usually just sits there. And most of the time, I'm used to already paying that copay of $25, let's say. But now they're going to reimburse me that because the flexible spending account takes money out of my paycheck and really puts it aside for any healthcare spending that comes up. And the good thing is that they're taking the money out pre-tax, so you're getting this added benefit as opposed to them taking the money out after tax. So this is a nice feature for me to use. The only thing you want to be careful of, they have limits here. You don't want to have them take too much money out because they only roll over a certain amount for the year. So usually the amounts that I have them do would be an amount that I know I probably will supersede that. So let's say if they were taking out uh, $600 for the year, they would divide your paychecks in the year and that's how much they would take out for each paycheck. And usually, let's say if I did $600, I'd probably meet that number in the middle of the year. So at that point, the flexible spending account ends because I only told them to take out $600 and they don't do anything else after that point. Once you reach that amount that you're supposed to, that you've told them that you want to take out, then they don't, they do nothing further than that. So I think this is a good idea for those that do have children that are going to definitely, they know that they're going to spend money on healthcare expenses. You at least get this tax benefit because they're taking the money out pre-tax and they're giving you those funds back and putting it in an account that you designate. So any opportunities here to be able to save money or to make these smarter decisions, I mean, it's not a huge amount of money, but I do feel uh, like it's a, a good benefit for me to take advantage of. Now, the other item here, the last one is W-4. So this really allows you to have, let's say we know that the government is going to withhold funds from your paycheck each pay period. And this allows you to adjust your withholdings. So you're really designating how many dependents you have. So we know that when we do taxes, uh, our own personal taxes, if you have a few children, one kid, two kids, three kids, maybe none, and you have a house, you get a lot of money back in taxes. And really what's happening is we're in essence giving this interest-free loan to the government and then the government is paying you back that money so we all feel great getting that money because it feels like you got a gift right especially times when lauren and i my wife we've received large amounts from the government but what i learned was w your w4 especially if you have children you can change the the withholding and the amount of dependence that you have to be able to make sure that at the time that you're doing your taxes in the beginning of the following year that you're either getting a small amount back or nothing back then you're doing everything correctly because now what's happening is instead of us giving an interest-free loan to the government we're keeping the money in our paycheck every two weeks or however we're getting paid and at the end of the or beginning of the following year when we do our taxes we are paying nothing because everything all the numbers were correct and the government didn't overcharge you and now paying you back what they overcharge you. So I do recommend looking at this information so that you can put a little bit more on your paycheck because that money should be yours to use right now.
Thank you, guys.